Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome into the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dusty, we're, we took a couple minutes here before we got started recording. Two guys together. Just a natural conversation. You and I talking power tools before we got started. Yep. And more specifically, miniature chainsaws <laughs> and all the tiny tree limbs that can be taken down with it without putting both hands on it, without needing to get your hands dirty with oil or grease or gasoline. It was a real Bob Vila conversation, wasn't it? Dusty, why did you have to give us away <laughs> like that? Couldn't you have just played along with it? Here's two manly men talking about power tools and just Listen, left it at that. Our our audience is too smart for that. The second we start talking like manly men, they'll know it's not authentic. So when what and really one of the things that we've really got going for us as a show, as a, as a group, is that we're pretty authentic. So if we would have been talking about how butch we are, that wouldn't have flown with uh, with our crowd. They they know us by now. They see through it. All right, let, let's move on. Let's get to another manly topic. Let, let's talk <laughs> some Penn, Penn State football. And speaking of uh, off-the-air conversations, last week you and I were talking off-the-air, and this is how we come up with a lot of topics because we talk about, you know, the team and potential topics and different things come up. And one of the things we talked about is how instead of like individual players and positions, some of the strategy and some of the trends of the team itself, like we saw some things last year on both offense and defense that we hadn't seen before. So I'm not sure what you want to call it (laughs) as a trans dynamic. You want to call it, we're taking a holistic view. How's that for a $10 word, Dusty? Yeah, that really makes it sound a lot smarter than than it is. But I, but I do think it's like almost a layer deeper than talking about the usual personnel groups and the individual players and where they're going to be good and where they have question marks. It's just looking at the personality of last year's team. And as you mentioned, some of the tactics that, that worked with the, with the personnel that they had and what that might look like next year. You know, we'll get into some of those things. And then I think some uh, some of the more obvious new dynamics that we're looking at where they have some question marks and things like that. But I, I think it's just um, a, a little deeper than your usual preview stuff. At least I hope so. And just looking at, you know, ha- what works and what might not and, and you know, where the strengths are and what strings Manny Diaz and Mike Yersich can pull this season that they couldn't last season. Just the personality and overall dynamic of the team and, and some of the individual parts of that, if that makes sense. And I, I just think it's a really interesting topic and an interesting way to, to look at the season ahead. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Manny Diaz and Mike Yursich because I think ultimately this conversation is about them. Let's start on the offensive side with Mike Yursich. One of the things that I um, think of with a quality coach in any sport is the ability to adapt to the personnel they have. We've seen, you know, 100 different places where guys are successful doing a certain thing. We play. This is who we are. This is how we play. But I think the genius is in the adaptability to your uh, to your talent. Let's start on the offense, and perhaps the most obvious uh, example of this 
is the jumbo packages, and I'm using plural, that Mike Yursich used. He came up with the fact that there were three good tight ends, two good running backs. He managed to get them all on the field at the same time. And you, whether you want to call it the, a jumbo package, but they were, were like really two different ones. One was where it was a like a diamond formation in the backfield. And the even more obvious one was the T formation in short yardage situations. I thought that was such a tremendous example of Mike Yersich adapting to the specific situation, which was third and fourth and short, typically, and the talent that he had. Yeah. And, and, you know, you think about, uh, you know, watching that play out and you mentioned uh, a week or two ago that you had gone back and were rewatching some of what Penn state did last year and just the evolution of, of using this type of formation as the season went along, it just got more and more creative, more and more offshoots of it, more and more wrinkles. And at, at its core, I mean, it is based around a certain strength that Penn state had last year that they are going to have again this year, which is in the running back and the tight end room and utilizing that uh, out of a formation where you pose a pretty specific threat, all that size uh, coming at you behind the offensive line. There are a lot of big bodies there and you have no choice as a coordinator and as defenders to account for all of that. You got to make sure your ducks are in a row and that your numbers match up because you can get exposed big time in the running game if you don't account for all those big bodies. And so once you start doing that, and I think you, you saw a pretty straightforward approach out of there. Uh, then you can start adding more wrinkles to it. And where it gets fun and interesting is that, um, so this year coming up, like, obviously you don't have Brenton strange anymore. The offensive line dynamic sh- shifts a little bit, but you got a bunch of familiar faces back there. And I was just reading up, um, James Franklin did a, a podcast with on three, uh, within the last like week or two. And I know Nate Bauer from blue white illustrated highlighted some of the things that he said. And one of the things I found interesting, and it pertains to this conversation is that he thinks they'll, they'll be better both at the offensive line position and at tight end. He, he specified tight end. He thinks they'll be better this year. Once you take a Bre- Brenton Strange out of the mix and his real dual threat, him being a second round draft pick, like those are pretty big words. So it it, it kind of lends itself, I think, to this formation being even more prominent this year than it was last year. And I'm sure they'll start the year with more wrinkles to it. And I think, you know, as it pertains to this pr- particular conversation we're having, now Mike Yursich had an entire offseason to assess fully what they did, what they didn't do, what's left, what wrinkles there are, what they can show that's on film that they can sort of um, surprise other teams with coming out of it. I mean, it it should be a fun storyline to start the year. I expect them to really just pick up where they left off and get more and more creative with that. And Dustin, I think it's important to take a look back at how it did evolve already and for two two important reasons, to get the background on it and how it progresses, plus it gives me an opportunity to show what I learned. And yeah, more I, importantly. I even, well, in fact, most importantly. And <laughs> yeah. I, I had forgotten uh, until I went back, and I went back to some of the early games, when we saw that T formation in the beginning, it was about having a quarterback sneak with Brenton Strange behind doing the old Bush push. Yep. With uh, Sean Clifford to push him forward for the first down. Okay. Then 
when they started to hand the ball off to one of the two uh, running backs, uh, Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, that was on, that was the first wrinkle. And they based that bet essentially on the strength of the defense, left or right, determined which way they were going to run. And the other running back was the lead blocker, along with Bretton Strange. Then they started motioning out of it. And that led you to Tyler Warren alone on the right side and see if he's isolated on some huge lunkhead who, you know, can't cover a receiver one-on-one. You had a tight end who could beat you one-on-one. And they had a quad formation to the left, which Michigan State decided the best way to cover four guys was with three. And you had Nick Singleton almost (laughs) walk in for a touchdown out of that. So you were able to, in last season, see that progress, which makes you say, okay, that's where the, it advanced to. And by the way, they you know, shifted out of the T formation when they saw what the defense was doing, which was lining up a whole bench, a bunch of linemen to stop them from running or sneaking the ball. So where do you go from there? You know, what is the next piece of this? And as you said, that's kind of a fascinating statement. My concern would be Brenton Strange was such an important part of that blocking. What do you do with Brenton Strange missing? Do you have someone who could take his place blocking? I'm more concerned about that than receiving the ball. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's my big question too. And, um, you know, and that's why I was particularly surprised when James Franklin said he thought they would be better at tight end this year than last year because Brenton Strange was such an important part of doing the dirty work in, in a situation like this. Uh, I, you know, I think Tyler Warren can do that job. Uh, I think there's a lot of faith in, in Theo Johnson to do that job and whoever is the number three tight end, you know, I, I think at this point you have to forecast Khalil Dinkins being that guy, but maybe it's one of the freshmen or somebody else. So, um, so yeah, I think they'll be, they'll be good in that situation. I think in terms of, you know, where you go from here, I mean, I, I feel like one of the frontiers we haven't quite seen yet is misdirection out of it, whether that's like a handoff and a pitch going the opposite direction or what, you know, something that, that borders on gadgetry that gets the defense going one direction and then you can get them going the other direction. Um, and then I think, you know, the, the, the beauty of all this is that you can see it, you can game plan for it. Uh, the new wrinkles will be surprises, but ultimately what it does is um, it puts the defense in a position to have to relocate, identify, adjust in a very short amount of time. This isn't the coordinator, you know, being able to kind of scheme for it. You got to put the bodies on the field and then wherever they go, however they, you know, motion out of there, you have to react to that. And you're, you're betting on, you know, you're hoping as a defensive coordinator that your guys see uh, properly and, and do that. But it's hard to do when you're throwing stuff out of them that they've never seen before. Exactly. And that is the thing with that formation is it kept growing and we saw more and more. And you're right. Even though that was your second year, in some ways it felt like a first year because so much of this personnel is back. I know there's a change at quarterback and that's a big thing, but you feel like there are so many pieces that this year will be a continuation from last year's development. The other part, and you know, we could pick this up in the next segment, Dusty, I'm not giving you much time to answer it, is yeah. having those two running backs, we forget at the start of last season, 
there's Devin Ford was still on the team. Kevon Lee is still on the team. Remember who won that? Who caught that game-winning touchdown against Purdue? Yeah, it was hint. It wasn't Nick Singleton or Katron Allen. Is how now do you take these two guys who were true freshmen and are just tremendous talents? How does Mike Yurcich use them even more or in more creative ways? Right. And and I think just in general, like you go from being hopeful this time of year, this time last year, to having definitive proof of what they are, what they can do, and how much more they have to grow within the offense. Because you saw it over the course of last season. Now you have a chance to really go back and assess and work on a lot of specific things that maybe you didn't do as well as you wanted to. There's a lot of reason to believe these guys are going to be much better, much more versatile than they were last year. And it's known going into the season. You're not feeling it out and wondering when is the time for these freshmen. Right now is going to be the time. And I think that makes a difference in how you call plays to start the year. It really will. We're going to pick up this conversation in quarter number two. So stick with us. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. He's Dustin. I'm Jim. We are talking Penn State football. More specifically, we started with the Penn State offense and taking this overview kind of a strategic look at this Penn State team and what they're doing, and it leans mostly on the coordinators. We're starting with the offense and Mike Yursich, and Dusty, I gave you very little time to answer the question talking about the running backs. A year ago, you were saying it was a question mark going into the season, and the offensive line was a question mark also. What a difference going into the season the different feeling about both those units, both the offensive line and the running backs. You look at what's different now um, this time of year versus last time, last year at this time. And number one is Olu Fashionu was somebody they were really excited about, but hadn't emerged 
nearly the way that he emerged last year, which is a very, very likely first round pick, very likely a high first round pick at left tackle. So they're right there. You got your anchor on the offensive line and you look at the running back situation. And I think the conversation we were having, I know the thought that I had this time last year was um, Kevon Lee's going to be your guy to start. It's a matter of, of when, not if Nick Singleton takes over. And I think to some extent that was correct. I mean, I, I, you you have two running backs that you really like in Singleton and Katron Allen, and you hope that they can handle it and that you hope that they acclimate and make an impact as early as possible. But I think they might've even surprised the coaching staff, you know, in the first third of the year with how good and how ready they were. So those, those two different dynamics, um, are, are very meaningful this year, especially as it relates to the offense as a whole. When you go from a four-year starter in Sean Clifford at quarterback to a first-time starter in Drew Aller, who has all the talent in the world, but he's he's in going to be in a prove-it stage. So the idea, I think, you know, the 2023 version of this team is that those running backs are going to be incredibly valuable to not only put up points and create big plays, because I think they will do that, but I think also to make sure the learning curve for Drew Aller is as manageable as possible. In a perfect world, you are not asking Drew Aller to march down the field and, and air it out and score 50 points a game. He might be might be capable of that. Maybe he's not capable of that right away. But in order to minimize situations where he can make mistakes and, and uh, be in over his head, so to speak, you, you use this running game to its fullest. And I think that's, you know, part of what we'll see this year. If the offensive line is better this year than it was last year, as James Franklin expects it to be, and you you certainly expect the running backs to be better. I think all the way down through one, two, and now with three Trey Potts uh, coming in from Minnesota, I think is a bit of an upgrade there as well. Um, you know, you, ha- you have a lot to lean on in that running game, not just to play, you know, 1950s style football and, and power and, and run out the clock. But I think just you'll be able to create big plays in that in that way, too, especially with Nick Singleton. So I think the the running game is going to be hugely important and to to know what you have there and to see these guys grow and know. Um, in the off season, what they were able to do to get even better, you know, you expect a lot from this running game, and I think you're gonna you're gonna get every bit of that. Two quick points on that. Um, first of all, I think they'll also, or I'm, maybe I'm just hopeful of that. The fresh, true freshman running backs now with this year experience, they'll become a bigger part of the passing game. Also, the other thing, again, watching some of the replays of the games, some fascinating tidbits. The Auburn game. I don't know if you remember early in the game, Kevon Lee got shaken up, looked like he twisted a knee or something. And the announcer says, uh-oh, yeah. if he's out for the rest of this game, Penn State's going to be rely- have to rely on two inexperienced freshmen. Uh, the comment didn't age well. It, it did not. And, uh, you know, I think the spirit of that is is fine. Uh, but it was probably overstating the importance of Kevon Lee in the first place. But also, you know, you at, at that point in time, you didn't know for a fact that those guys were ready to do what they proved that they that, that they did then. Especially Singleton in that game. That was really like the game that put Singleton on the national map. It, it, definitely, yeah. And I'm, you know, I think I'm pointing it out more to say that was the mindset. Yeah. At that point in the season. Very, very different right now. Okay, let, let's shift to the passing game, Dusty, because the wide receivers, it feels very similar to what it did a year ago. 
You had the transfer coming in who had put up big numbers. Could he play in the Big Ten? You had a returning player, Parker Washington, probably um, similar to what we think of Keandre Lambert-Smith now. The big difference, though, is instead of that 17th-year starter in Sean Clifford, you've, you've got a first-year starter in Drew Aller. How, does, how do you think that affects Mike Yursich's thinking about game planning for this team? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of variables to that equation. One of which I think is, you know, who is Drew Aller most comfortable throwing to? You know, you, you think about the the whole dynamic and, and the whole chemistry in that passing game is going to change and evolve. There's no way around it with a new quarterback and new one and two receivers. I mean, everything is new. Um, it's a little scarier, I think, because, you know, the 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 one two at, at wide receivers is a lot less proven I, this year than I think it was last year. And it's really not even solidified yet. They, you know, Keandre Lambert Smith and Harrison Wallace, they both have to take some pretty significant steps forward to really establish themselves as, as numbers one and two. And then it's, you know, Dante Cephas co- coming in from Kent state. Is he the number three guy for sure? You know, Amari Evans did some good things in the blue white game. I mean, there, there's still a lot to sort out, but um, you know, the, how ready your freshman quarterback is and, um, you know, how efficient he is, uh, hitting the open guy. I mean, there's a lot to wonder about. Uh, I think, and, and I don't know if you were going to touch on this, uh, earlier, but I think one area of growth possibly in the, in the passing game is down the field. I think Drew, that, that was a dynamic last year and really under Sean Clifford in general, that was not a strength at, at any point, really. I think it really can be a strength for Drew Aller and, and, and these guys. And I think he's always looking for that shot if he can get it. And we, we saw, you know, on a couple of different occasions where uh, if things break down and he's kind of forced to move off his spot, A, he's comfortable doing that. And B, even if he's, his momentum is carrying him towards the line of scrimmage, he's still looking down the field. So I think there's going to be some opportunities. Maybe it's broken plays or something like that for Aller to stretch the field vertically uh, where they couldn't do that as much last year. And that was a big part of, you know, why the passing game wasn't as good as people wanted it to be is that they didn't threaten that and they didn't ever connect on anything down the field. It was very rare. Now I think the threat's going to be very real because I think you'd have, um, I think, guys who are better down the field at wide receiver, whether they're better players or not remains to be seen, but better down the field. And then I think when Drew Aller runs onto the field, defensive coordinators are thinking, okay, don't let anything get over the top on you. That threat is always going to be there too. And the natural progression of this team, when you have that kind of uh, backfield, those kind of running backs and the strengthened offensive line is if I'm a defense, I'm going to make Drew Aller prove it to me. You know, I got to stop Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, play action pass becomes relevant. And as you pointed out, it felt like time after time last year with Sean Clifford, there were those opportunities deep. If you were at the game and can see the play developing, you start to see the receiver break free. <gasps> oh, yeah, just missed a him. lot of that. A lot of that last year. And, and I don't necessarily want to get stuck on one play, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, the, the long pass to Omari Evans, I think it was against Ohio. 
it just seems so easy and so natural and our Omari Evans' speed for Drew Aller, it was just such a natural seemed so easy to him to drop that pass in the bucket. Yeah, and, and I think that that's one area like that connection between those two specific players is one that fascinates me before we start to see it play out. You know, there are two, there are a couple young guys. They showed it a little bit there. They showed it a little bit at, at blue white. There's going to be trust and a belief that Omari Evans is going to be able to shake loose deep. There's going to be eyeballs down the field uh, waiting for that to happen. And when it does happen, I feel like what we've seen from Drew Aller is the, the presence of mind. And I think just, yeah, I think you just have to have a feel for that a feel for, you know, how much to put under it, how, how much to lead a guy. I don't know that Sean Clifford had that feel. And um, I think it's easier when you have arm to spare to, to make those deep throws. Sean Clifford didn't have a lot of arm to spare um, where Drew Aller does, where I think he's going to be thrown at 75% of his, his max getting down the field. I think it, it just lends itself to being better with touch down the field. So I think um, with Omar, uh, Amari Evans is one, and I think Dante Cephas, you know, is, is somebody that can maybe uh, get down the field and beat his guy one-on-one on the perimeter too. And as you mentioned, I mean, the, the running game dynamic, and this will be really the push and pull Penn State's offense versus opponent's defense is, is the numbers in the box. You know, I think they're going to have to commit to the box. Uh, and it's going to be scary for other coordinators because you know and have to respect what Drew Aller can do down the field. But at the same time, the most present and known threat is going to be on the ground. So I think you're going to see a lot of crowded lines of scrimmage to start the year and opportunities to burn them deep. And I think Penn State has the personnel and the quarterback to do it. When you play action pass using those two running backs, the defense has to respect it. Now, yep. my question, just the overall question, we saw some of Drew Aller last year. Did we see enough, Dusty? Did we see enough to make you confident that he is the guy and can make the plays, especially, you know, late in the game in a close game, that he can be that guy? You know, as you look back over it, and there's a lot of some, like small samples to try to cobble together, and it's not, you know, the most accurate thing to do, but... You know, I, I don't, I feel like looking back at last season, you never were like, oh, we saw the Drew, good Drew Aller or we saw the bad Drew Aller. I think we saw the same Drew Aller every single game, did we not? Like, a, you know, it might have only been a, a pass or two. It might have, you know, been with the, the second unit or late in games or whatever. It might not have been, you know, game action necessarily. But I think we saw a pretty consistent, you know, mental and physical performance from him, given what he, he got in snaps. Uh, you know, the, the one variable is just like going from series to series and being the guy and knowing that you're responsible for that. And, you know, if you're making if you make a, a series of bad throws, how you come back from that, we didn't get a chance to see him do any of that. The real mental grind of the position. So that's a question mark. But I feel like what we have seen is his consistency and his state of mind and the way he goes about his business was very mature last year. And I think that's going to help him out a lot. I do, too. I, I feel very good about it. And it's not just the pedigree, the five-star. I'll also talk about the fact that what we saw in the spring game a year ago to the fall, plus the fact that they bumped him up so quickly to number two, means he showed enough to the coaching staff. All right, Dusty, that was on the offensive side of the ball. Quarter three and four, let's look at Manny Diaz in the defense. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. I'm Jim Galante. We are kind of looking at Penn State, an overview, the trends, what happened on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball last year and see what hints we could take out of that going into this season. It's mostly dust in a conversation about the coordinators. Quarter one and two, we talked about the offense. We were talking about Mike Yursich essentially. And, you know, just the mention of James Franklin and a lot of people want to pay him. He's the CEO, a figurehead. What he's doing, though, with these coordinators is he's getting people in who run an offense and a defense the way he would want them to be run, okay? So yeah. make no doubt about that. James Franklin has you know, a finger on both sides of the ball. Now, the defensive side, as Yursich on offense, we talked about the jumbo backfield, multiple tight ends, the multiple running backs. Defense, it was all about how aggressive Manny Diaz's defense defense was. We kind of expected that going in, and boy, did he deliver. Yeah, and, and I think there, there's no reason to believe that we won't see at least the same level of aggression this season ahead. And you know, you think about okay, the person the personnel's changed, the the strengths and weaknesses, you know, the the mix of of what he's got coming back, it's a little different. But he didn't really care who it was. You know, he was sending corners and safeties off the edge. He was sending linebackers off the edge. He was bringing linebackers up the middle. He was doing. He was if you had a pulse and you were on the field for Penn State, he was finding a way to get you involved and in creating some havoc on that side. And you know that that trait of his is going to be the same no matter what. I think, um, you know, we, we'll get into how the personnel is different and things like that, but you know, his creativity and his, 
um, energy and aggression. I mean, those are all things that uh, James Franklin wanted to see out of his, I think he wanted to see those things out of his defense for a long time. You know, he had a lot of trust and a lot of belief in Brent Pry. They had a great relationship. Uh, He knew that Brent Pry knew defense as well as anybody. But at at the end of the day, I mean, Brent Pry uh, was more conservative than James Franklin probably wanted him to be, you know, to call a spade a spade. And so now you bring in a guy who is just letting it loose. And he arrives in a situation where his personnel really helps him let let it loose like he's able to to cut these guys loose from everywhere um they've got athletes and they've got speed they've got edge rushers you know all over the place uh it just lends itself so much to what Manny Diaz wants to do and I think you know you're probably going to see some more wrinkles you're going to see some more game specific stuff that's uh based on who they've got back and who they don't have back but in the end, I mean, the personality we saw from Penn State's defense last year, I expect to say the same thing uh, this fall. Where I'm going to make a comparison between the offense and defense, Dusty, was on offense we talked about, we, Mike Yersich didn't really know yet what he had with those two freshman running backs. It took a few games to get there. On defense, I think there were even more variables in the beginning. Adisa Isaac, Curtis Jacobs, they're coming off injury. Didn't know yet what Abdul Carter was. Um, Chop Robinson is coming in as a transfer. Well, guess what? All of those question marks are exclamation marks this year. Okay, that's the starting point. I know in the defensive backfield, Joey Porter is gone. Uh, Tig Brown is gone. But I still feel pretty comfortable back there that you just you felt confident. Joey Porter was your lead cornerback. You've got another lead cornerback who's really, really, really good in Kalen King and Johnny Dixon being the number two guy. Maybe there's not the same depth as there was a year ago. Whereas with the safeties, I think there's as much depth, maybe not the superstar with Jair Brown. So I think Manny Diaz is starting with a higher floor this season than he did a year ago. I think that I think that's a fair way to put it. You and, and it's true that cornerback depth is a little bit more of a question this year than it was last year, just because you lose a, first, a second round draft pick in Joey Porter Jr. Um, you've had between Jaquan Brisker and, and Tig Brown, you've had uh, a versatile game wrecking safety back there for a long time. There's nobody quite like that there, but at the same time, I mean, KJ Winston really looks like I don't know if star in the making is accurate or too strong. But there's a lot to like about him. There's a lot to like about Zachy Wheatley and his ability to to take the ball away uh, and provide that dynamic. I think there's still a lot of hope that Keaton Ellis and all that athleticism, it all comes together for him this year. He's a captain now. Um, I think he's one player who can exceed a lot of people's expectations. So, yeah, I mean, the, the cabinet is still pretty full at both of those spots. And now, you know, I think, Number one, the edge rusher spot, the defensive ends, Adisa Isaac is more of a proven commodity. Uh, There was hope that he would be himself again after injury. Chop Robinson comes in from Maryland. Uh, They talked a lot about, okay, he's making a transition to being a full-time defensive end. He's got to earn what he gets there. Well, he's a star. Uh, And now Deny Dennis Sutton looks like he's ready to explode there. And so, okay, now you have, that strength, you know, I think a lot of teams would kill for one of those three pass rushers. Penn State has three of them now. 
Okay, so what does that mean for the rest of the defense? Number one, uh, it's going to speed up the clock for a lot of quarterbacks because if they don't get the pressure, they're going to be expecting the pressure. It's going to speed them up. Uh, it's going to give cornerbacks a bit of an edge to have to cover maybe even a little bit less time than they did last year. And now you take those those edge defenders and you throw in Abdul Carter who could really, I think, other offenses are going to expect him to come from just about anywhere. You know, he showed that he's able to make a big play in any type of situation that you need him to. Uh, Tony Rojas. Okay. If he comes in with that speed, you know, who's going to be the next defensive back? Like Johnny Dixon early in the season was just a terror off the edge on those cornerback blitzes. There's going to be somebody else like that who plays that role. There's a lot of the things, the things that we saw last year, you're going to see some different personnel, but there are also, uh, some strengths that will make the rest of this defense better. Namely, like everybody wants edge pressure. Penn state should have no problem generating that. And what can you do off of that then? You're going to be able to do so many different things, Dusty. And I I think what this defense has become about is making splash plays, making the quarterback go faster than he wants to. You do that with speed. You do that with playmakers. And we talked about losing um, Jair Brown and uh, Joey Porter Jr., So, but when you're coming back with the guys that you talked about and the question becomes, who's the new playmaker? I probably am even more excited about KJ Winston than you are. I think he's going to make plays. Um, Tony Rojas will be put in a position to make plays. And I think Denai Dennis Sutton is getting ready to be another star. And what this leads to in so many of our off-season conversation, it's position battles. Who's going to be first string? Who's going to start? Irrelevant, Dusty. Irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. On this defense, there are essentially 20 to 22 starters, and it's just how does Manny Diaz want to use you? And I'm even more excited about it this year because I think he now has that year under his belt with these guys. I think it took him a couple games to realize what he had with Abdul Carter. He knew he was really good, but did he know he was that good? Yeah. And did he know he had games? It's like Singleton and Catron Allen. Like you have to see it in games and you have to see them respond to actual competition and not just practice situations. So yeah, you can feel it and you can see it, but until you get hard proof that, okay, this guy's a, this guy's a player. He's, he's every bit as who, who I thought he was and probably more, you know, the, he had, uh, you know, a number of freshmen who showed that uh, to their coaches last year, but Abdul Carter was, you know, I don't, I think you could probably say he was the biggest surprise of the year, right? On either side of the ball. Well, a lot was expected of him and he still gave us much more yeah. than it was fair of us to expect. Okay. Yeah. So, so <laughs> you had that. Now you start adding more weapons, you know, the question becomes, if there's a question mark on on the defense, and we'll get to the defensive backs, it's that defensive tackle. P.J. Mustafer isn't there. And I'm not sure he had a brilliant year, a huge year, or even as good a year as he had previously at Penn State. And there's no natural guy to replace him. But are you comfortable with the guys that are there, that on first and second down, when it's time to stop the run, 
that they do have the people to do that, and Manny Diaz has the wherewithal to play them in such a way to make that happen. Yeah, I think um, I don't think we're going to see Manny Diaz uh, having to compensate for that. You know what looks like is going to be kind of a, a weakness or a question mark. I don't think we're going to have to see him bend over backwards for that. I think if you get a, a, a timely, you know, run blitz in there. Or you, you throw, like, I, I have a, a lot of expectations for Kobe King, too. If you're able to kind of fill gaps and, and support that effort on obvious rundowns uh, with, with your linebackers or maybe bring a safety into the box, I, I think there are some things that they can do to help minimize that. Uh, the, the question I have about the defensive tackles is much more so against a team like Michigan and a team like Illinois that is going to be so committed to what they do anyway, but especially if they sense a weakness in what you're doing. Illinois, in that nine overtime game, they, they knew what Penn State had and didn't have, and they just went, went after it again and again and again. So if you face teams that are, are willing to go back to the Stone Age and just run, 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 throw big bodies at you and just keep going and going and going and, and ditch the idea of, of creating big plays out of that, I think it's going to be something interesting and, and, and it's going to be something that Penn State has to show that they can stop. And I'm particularly concerned about the Michigan team and how easy they found it to run on last year's defense. How are you going to be better in that situation? Uh, I'm not worried as much about the Ohio States of the world that are going to try to create explosive plays on you because you match up better with that. But what are they going to do against teams that are dead set on exposing the interior of their defense? Because I think there is something to expose there. And if I am one of those teams... That's what I, I'm going to do it also. You know, you brought up the good what Illinois did a couple of years ago. Iowa, who, you know, you don't think of as a threat throwing the ball. I was ready to say throwing the ball down the field, but I amended it to just say throwing the ball is an yeah, issue. I was going to say they're, they're too stupid offensively to, to really maximize where, where they might have an advantage. But that's what what I would test. Okay, we're going to talk about the rest of this Penn State defense when we get back for quarter number four. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hockensmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. 
We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. We're back for more. It's quarter number four. He's Dusty. i Jim. We're talking about some of the trends and dynamics of this Penn State team. First and second quarter, we talked on the offense. Now we're on that. We're talking about this exciting defense. And we were just talking about uh, would there be an issue at defensive tackle? Will there be offenses who will take advantage of the, the apparent weakness on the Penn State defense? But one of the things I wanted to ask, Dustin, is we talk about those three defensive ends. They got three stars, Adisa Isaac, Chop Robinson, and now I think Denied Dennis Sutton. Do you get those three guys in the game when it's a passing situation? You have to. You know, you you really, really have to. And I think, um, you know, like, what are you going to do about that as, as an offense? Th- those three guys are all in a... In a they're, they're in a tier of players where if they don't win their one-on-one matchup, I'm surprised, you know? And, and so what does it look like when those three are on the field at the same time, at least two players on the other team are going to be in well over their heads. You're not going to du- be able to double, obviously all three of them. You might not be able to double any one of those individuals. So yeah, I mean, you do have that question mark. You do have the the issue potentially of saying, you know, how consistently are you putting teams behind the chains if they're able to um, execute in the interior and get three, four yards of pop on the ground? Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of this is just built on the assumption that Penn State is going to have a harder time against the run. And, you know, from where I'm standing, you know, we don't know that for a fact yet, but it looks like a pretty safe assumption to say that mainly because like, obviously losing PJ Mustafer is a big deal, but they just don't have a lot of players who are North of like 275 pounds. And, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be giving size away so often, especially, you know, put Hakeem Beeman on the field too. Now, like you put Hakeem Beeman and Zane Durant and those three pass rushers on, on the field in a passing down, that is a dangerous, dangerous look. But, you know, you put a couple 275 pound defensive tackles on there on, on a, on a second and four, that's, you know, that's where I, I think there's legitimate concern. And, you know, how much are you able to kind of mask that with your, with your scheme and your other personnel? How much are interior linemen getting off their first block on those guys and getting down to Abdul Carter or Kobe King or Curtis Jacobs? You know, these are all, le- all legitimate questions you have to ask. Um, and I think, you know, if you had to choose, if you're Penn State, whether you're going to have a trio of elite edge rushers and a, a bunch of talent and experience in the defensive backfield, you would go with that over having five 320-pound defensive tackles. But it does put them in a position where um, they're you, you just don't know what's going to happen inside. So I, I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I, I like Zane Durant as much as anybody. Uh, I like the defensive tackles. They're just not that big. And there's just a select few teams, like you mentioned, in Michigan, veteran quarterback, maybe the best quarterback in the Big Ten, and it may be sacrilege to say it, but they may have the best running back tandem in the Big Ten. And by the way, they've got some really good offensive line players. 
So, yes, that's going to be difficult to deal with against Michigan. It doesn't seem like the best matchup. But if we go through also the rest of this team, linebackers, defensive backs, I think the question was, you know, at middle linebacker, can you take the middle linebacker off the field? Can you keep Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter in every down when you're going to use two linebackers? Yeah, I mean, I think those those are your two best guys there, right? I mean, I, I think as many situations you can put yourself in where you don't need that extra bit of size in there where you can replace uh, Kobe King with Jalen Reed or whoever that ends up being, uh, yeah, you're going to be a, a better, more dangerous defense because of it. Um, it's just going to be tough to do. Like, you're going to need every pound you can get against Michigan. And, you know, if you're looking at how um, – Penn State is defined in 2023. It really comes down to can they beat Michigan and can they beat Ohio State? And Michigan is as committed as anybody to the run. They're as established as anybody up front and in the backfield uh, in the run game. Ohio State has, uh, you know, we talked about when we looked at Penn State's top 100 players, according to on three, Ohio State's got two running backs on, on, on that list. You know, if they want to, um, Ohio State can maybe leverage some, some uh, advantages there. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it directly impacts your ability to beat the toughest teams on your schedule. And, you know, I, I don't think it's unfair to, to really have some concern ab- about that. Uh, now, can Zane Durant be a monster? Absolutely, he can be. I love Kaziah Izzard, too. I think there's some, some real upside at defensive tackle. And as you mentioned uh, in the previous segment, PJ Mustafer was he he played that role of absorbing blocks and and being that pa- big powerful guy in the middle. He did that well, but you know he didn't make a lot of splash plays either. Um, maybe can can you have somebody in there who's going to maybe make some more plays behind the line of scrimmage? Maybe there's some room there to exceed expectations, but uh, it it is a tough dynamic against the the two best teams you're going to face. It's just a fact. Yes, you you definitely have to be concerned about it. I will say this, and I know I'm getting off tangent a little bit here. We get our questions, the Ask T, Frank, Ask Andy. In one form or another, we've gotten that same question. What will it take to beat Michigan and Ohio State? What could be the difference this year versus other years? And my answer is always, but there are playmakers on this team, much more so than there were over the last couple years. And playmakers – and star, they're stars who are playmakers. Yeah. So at defensive end, and if you think about how they lost to Ohio State last year, Ohio State had a playmaker at defensive end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Penn State's got that now. And I, I think that's going to be an interesting personality of this defense is, you know, you always talk about bend but don't break. There's going to be some of that. You know, if you're committed to, to the run, if you're committed to taking four yards at a time and, and marching down the field like that, you better not make any mistakes. You better not have any penalties. You better not throw an incomplete pass on first down if, if that's what uh, you're going to do. Uh, because Penn State, I think, is in a better position to create opponent mistakes this year than they were last year. That's, you know, I, and I think that's, you know, hard hits upon arrival on ball carriers. Uh, that strips... That's just like being hungry to take the football away. Penn State's got more players like that. They've got they've got more ability to make plays in the backfield, to create strip sacks, to create interceptions. I think uh, 
So yeah, I think you're going to have some bend, but don't break against some teams. Uh, but if, if, if in those situations where Michigan is in a third and nine or a third and 13, there's going to be pressure on Penn state side to make them pay in that situation and get them off the field. Uh, but at the same time, there's pressure on, on Michigan to, cause now you're playing Penn state's game. So I think there's going to be a push and a pull to this and maybe Penn state can manage their way around it. They have such unbelievably defined strengths without a doubt in terms of being able to create pressure and create takeaways. Exactly. Uh, I'm with you and I'll tell you what I'm, we can mention some of the new guys in the defensive backfield safeties. You mentioned Zachy Wheatley. Um, we've been talking up KJ Winston. I am not sure if I'm on an Island here, but I'm actually expecting a lot from Keaton Ellis. Um, remember he made such a splash as a freshman getting on the field as a cornerback. I think now there's probably, I'll call it a, a leadership void might be too strong, but you went from, you know, you had a couple Jaquan Brisker, Jair Brown. Now there's someone else who needs to kind of be the captain of the safeties. And I think Keaton Ellis will be that guy. And as you mentioned, he has the physical tools. Right, yeah. Dustin, in just the couple minutes we have left, I think we got to talk about the special teams when we're talking about this, where the trends are. The trends the last several years were very good veteran people doing those jobs guess what new snapper new punter new kicker new punt returner there's some pressure here you better be able to reload in, in these areas now i think um you know punt return penn state has a pretty clearly defined thing that they're looking for there they're looking for the best the best player in the intersection between upside and downside you know ultimately you, your ability to catch the ball in pressure situations is going to be huge. But in Jahan Dotson and then Parker Washington, you had guys whenever they made the catch, uh, whenever they didn't have to fair catch, whenever they had a little bit of room, they showed that they can make a little something happen there. So I don't know who on Penn State's roster is best equipped to do that. Could that be a younger player? I think typically under James Franklin, you've seen a more veteran guy um, be in that in that. So I don't know who it's going to be, but uh, I, I feel like Penn State knows what they're looking for on the punt return. You know, Barney Moore is gone, the punter, but Riley Thompson comes in. You have the the um, redshirt freshman, Alex Pachetta, who uh, was one of the best punters in the country. Sanders Hadak, you know, I, I, the, the place kicker, I, I, I didn't think there was a lot to lose by going with him last year anyway. So now it's like, okay, those positions, you know, uh, there, there are some variables there. Uh, the long snapper position is is, is – High on that list of the less you're talking about it, the better. So we haven't talked about long snapper. This might be the first time ever on our show that we've talked about long snapper. So that just shows you what Chris Stahl brought to the equation there that, that, that they're going to have to replace. So that, you know, that's, that, that's everything. But uh, I feel like there are uh, the right bodies are there to, to do that, to do those jobs and, and to do them um, well. I don't, you know, I, I think, there with Penninger and Barney and more that there's obviously some veteran guys to replace, but I, I, I like the potential replacements that they've got. Well, my, my concern, I'll, I'll play it both sides of this. My sure. concern is that you have new guys that say, that highly thought of coming in, but didn't win the job a year ago. Alex Richetta highly thought of didn't win the job last year. So much so that, we bring in Riley Thompson, 
a veteran transfer portal guy to compete with them. So, you know, that is my concern. Now, on the playing the other side of it, I do think James Franklin is concerned enough about those positions that he'll make sure. Just like now, I think he learned his lesson about backup quarterback. We're not going to be left in an Iowa situation again. And I I think that's the case. I just feel he will guarantee there'll be competency at those in those roles, Dusty. Yeah, and I think especially at punter there, that, that's a really good example of. And I'm never sure, like if Riley, Riley Thompson called them up and said, "Hey, I'm coming," and they're like, "Okay, we'll take you." Or did they were they did they seek him out? You know, I, I don't know, but uh, I think especially at punter and kicker. The harder you have to work to win the job, the more competition there is, the better off you are in game situations because there's no way to simulate um, game situations. But if you have to compete against another really good punter, that's a pretty good start. It really is. All right, Dusty, that is it for the show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.